This is Being End Time. Marissa Verma, otherwise known as Bindi Bindi Dreaming, has been working in the space of healing land, people, and Noongar cultural education for over 10 years. Her beautiful, kind, and caring nature is always able to lift the spirits of those around her. And if that fails, she has her amazing food that heals and connects all together. Marissa's journey to being an educator and helping people to understand the bush has had many ups and downs. And today, we shall have a conversation about that journey, the connection, the healing that bush brings, and the future of togetherness that is possible. Let's talk about medicine, healing, and sustainability. Hello, Marissa Verma. How are you? Hi, Kaya. Zhao, how are you? I'm going good. I'm going good. Great. So we're currently out here um, at around the Les Murdy Falls area, um, sitting in the bush between two beautiful balgas on a nice little bench. Um, and yeah, we're just going to have a chat about um, some of the work that you've been doing in your life. Um, so the first question that I will ask is, where are you from? Sure, um, and it's nice to get a bit of vitamin D today as well. <laughs> so thank you for the invitation to no be in this um, beautiful piece of bushland that we've got here in Les Murdy. So uh, if you haven't been out, you need to get out and have a look. So it's mm. just, it's wonderful. So where am I from? So I was born in Perth, Subiaco. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a local Wajak um, Lass, and I've lived here most of my life. Mm. And uh, my family connections are from down Katanning and around that area through my grandmother and kind of up north through my grandfather. I have strong connections through my father who is um, a Queenslander, so oh, right. from over that way, so mm. yeah. So is the country in Katanning that would be quite different to here? Have you been you spent much time In regards there? to bushland, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit more drier, yeah. but I haven't spent a lot of time in Katanning. I think mm. when I was little, I grew up there because uh, my nan used to live down there and then she moved into the Perth metro area. So I haven't had much to do with Katanning, yeah. though a lot of the elders and a lot of those that passed away, including my grandmother, are all buried down there today mm. so we often travel down once a year and mm. you know do the grave sites up and just um you know remember the memories of you know nan's life and things down there because she did uh live down there for a fair few years as well as um you know there was a little reserve just out of Kitanning town mm. so um nan often talked about that as well mm. so when you were growing up where did you kind of so i grew up around the hamilton hill Fremantle area yep. Uh, most of my life. So mm. did my schooling there, did my high schooling there. Um, a lot of friendships were made and I, you know, you kind of do a f full circle where you, you move around the Fremantle kind of Perth area. So mm. um, I've now <laughs> built a house back in kind of the suburb next door where yeah. I, I grew up and knocked around with a lot of kids and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. Have you learnt much about the bushland from, from there? Just in general, probably more, more generally, how is your kind of understanding come about yeah, yeah I didn't learn a lot growing up because yep. there wasn't really anyone teaching or sharing any of that knowledge at the time so mm. I guess as a, a young indigenous lady going back and living there and then 
connecting to the local councils and the Aboriginal organisations, that's when I started to get my teeth into actually knowing who had knowledge and following them out there and, you know, if they ran tours or guided walks, just kind of clinging to them and, and learning that way. So it's kind of later on in life, probably after my high school years, you know, when I started to get into um, the years that I was um, heading to uni and things like that. So, you know, quite quite late in my life, I started mm. to learn about those areas and um, Pribra Lakes, Wallyabup, as it's known today, mm. um, is quite a significant site around there. And I'm a part of a group that we have a strong focus on you know, looking after country, looking after culture and continuing to share that with the younger generation and those around. So, mm. yeah, so it's kind of now in my life or probably about 10 years ago, I've started to to really pick up and learn about my culture and my history. Wow. Yeah. And over that 10 it's, years? It's taken a while. It's yeah. been a very slow process because yeah. of the elders and people need to trust you and you need to build up those relationships with mm. a lot of the community. They just won't come out and tell you what's, you know, you have to build up a rapport and yep. um, a really good relationship for them to, you know, trust you yep. to have that knowledge as well. So, yeah. Definitely. yeah. So with the group that you, um, that you are part of down there, um, are there like programs that are made to start teaching knowledge to like young women? Or, um, is that something that you're interested in? You know, seeing as with when you were younger, you had to kind of really search that out. Yeah, I guess, Again, it's who you're working with and if they trust you with the knowledge. So mm. when I first started to work for conservation and land management, under the guidance of Noel Nanup, of course, um, mm. who was a great you know, role model and leader in himself, kind of, he was doing a lot of the men's stuff with a, a couple of the other men officers and there wasn't really anyone doing the women's stuff. So he employed two of us younger lasses to come join the unit, which actually built up the unit. So there was about three or four of us at the time. Yeah. And again, we had kind of different expertise, but I was kind of leaning towards knowing and understanding the women's connection to country because no one was really um, doing it in our unit. We all had different things that we wanted to do. So I guess mm. I kind of, you know, just kind of got swayed in that direction. And I worked with a lot of Aboriginal women elders that have now passed away. But, you know, again, I had to build up their rapport, I had to build up their trust, and they continued to share a lot of their cultural knowledge with me, which was wonderful. But one of my conditions was I wasn't allowed to hold it or keep it to myself. It was that I needed to run workshops and, you know, especially giving back to the younger generation, because that's, you know, we're all gonna be moving in different directions. So we need to sway our younger generation in picking up that cultural knowledge as well. So. I now through my business, I actually do a lot of women's stuff, um, especially out in the community with the younger generation with programs like job networks and things like that. So I'm constantly getting out there and just sharing the knowledge that I know. And that's getting the young ones out on country and learning, you know, the women's side of stuff, which is um, really exciting, you know, like yeah. it's... Um, it's all about the bush medicines and the healing and how the women had the knowledge of those mm. because... Um, you know, that was the power that they had was continuing to pass that medicinal and healing techniques and things like that. So it's actually quite a nice space to be in. I love it. Um, getting out on country and connecting to that and just knowing you're walking past, you know, a plant and you can pick three things off it and, you know, they'll do different things to heal you mm -hmm. or 
you know, you can use them in your life, in your household and things like that. So it's about, you know, okay, here's the past, um, but not leaving it there either. It's about getting that knowledge and taking it through to the future. So, mm. you know, I have a role to play in sharing that and continuing to share that with our younger generation. So we do also run a lot of general programs for the males as well. So the males and the females can learn. So mm. one of the things that I find in today's society is how the younger generation are really disconnected to their culture and their identity. And you know, it's not their fault, it's no one's fault. It's just what happened in the past that didn't allow us to, you know, have that continued connection. So, you know, my grandmother, I guess, you know, she grew up in the bush, she knew all of that knowledge, but when she was a part of the stolen generation, I guess there was another set of rules that says, you're not allowed to talk about your culture, you're not allowed to share it. So, you know, that stopped for us. It wasn't passed down to my mum, and then my mum didn't pass anything to me. So, you know, there has kind of been a curiosity with us knowing or wanting to know who we are as Aboriginal people and where we fit in and how, you know, the land looks after us and how we take care of the land as well. So, you know. Yeah, something that I um, yeah, have recently been looking into my own history. And, you know, I was born in Sydney in Wurunga, but our ancestral lineage is from Persia. And our people about 1,500 years ago moved, were persecuted from Iran and um, took boats and ended up in a place called Nalsari in India. But before that, you know, they were part of the Persian Empire, so Zoroastrian people. And before that, it was, you know, smaller villages and tribes. And, and then before that, that's where we get to a similar place. Right. In which Australia was not just, you know, 200 years ago. Mm. So it's almost like everyone's looking for the same thing, which yep. is belonging, connection, connection to country, yep. connection to culture. Who, who are they? Who am I? Yeah. Where do I fit? What is my role? <laughs> yeah. And what that's what I tell like. a lot of the young ones because yeah. they've been disconnected and they might come from another part of the country. Mm. But if you have a, you know, a set of guidelines or values or beliefs, it's going to be similar to where you go back. So even though you're in Noongar country or Yamaji country, you kind of get the teachings from that area, but then you use it in your own area if yeah. you can't find it or, you, you know, yeah. or go back and soul seek. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that, um, you know, we're going to hate you because you live in here and you're not going to practice the same values mm. and beliefs. You can use that, you know, um, guideline to go back to mm. where you come from. So, you know, we have a lot of kids out of country. They can't be on country for 12 months of the year mm. but if they come to Noongar country how do I act and how do I be here so you know sometimes we do little blessings mm. and welcomes for those kids as well to make them feel safe that they're mm. here because if you know spiritually when you're out of your own country you know you're like a fish out of water it's mm. like really hard and tricky to connect mm. unless someone's taught you how to do that or given mm. that blessing for you so mm. it's nice to see that we can do that for the kids and then they feel yeah. a bit more comfortable and they feel at home yeah. and then they don't want to get homesick mm. oh I'm from Bari or mm. Yaru country how do I act here mm. in Noongar country but using the same blessing so mm. you know if it's you get out on country up there or you go fishing you know you can do the same thing here you mm. know do that blessing do that ritual for the water before you get in there mm. so you know it's not any different we have mm. that similarities and I guess yeah. that would be you know, for all Indigenous countries, say if I move somewhere, mm. you know, here I am as an Aboriginal person, but living in India, but how do I practice mm. and get to learn amongst the locals, but mm. still hold my culture and identity? Mm. And I think that's a good thing because it is an advantage and grows you and grows 
um, like you can just work your way around the world and in a respectful manner. Definitely. Yeah. You know, like similarly for me, what you said about coming to like Noongan country and learning, you know, how to behave. It's yep. like when I went on country with um, Noongan up as well, um, and when I come to your, like your workshops and um, different elders, you know, that have guided me and gently given that understanding. You know, one of my rituals is um, my ancestral lineage is connected to fire tenders. And yeah, my family does smoking all the time, <coughs> once a week usually. Yeah. And we use Indian sandalwood. Yes. But over here, you know, I had the lemon eucalypts, which aren't from here, but I still have them because they grow on up, up around there. I had the balga resin, um, but then I had the Indian yeah. sandalwood as well, which for me is like that, the same ritual yeah. and a connection to country, but also connection back to my DNA, yeah. my ancestral. Yep. And it's kind of connecting those all together mm. to then be kind of one thing yeah. in the smoke, yep. which to me is really beautiful. That was, it was yeah. beautiful and smelly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So something that I wrote um, and I've been thinking about is that knowledge can't be lost because the knowledge exists in the country always because the land is the teacher. Yep. For thousands of years it, all, it has always been our teacher and that we just need to sit and listen and watch and look and experience and then the wisdom is what we'll gain from that experience. But the speed of that yeah. might become slower yep. or maybe the wisdom that can be passed down um, in a kind of framework, that's what will be lost or that's what will need to be recreated. Yep. Like, recreated would be the word that I yep. would say. That's kind of somewhere that I've been looking. What's your kind yep. of thought on like knowledge loss or that kind of For concept? sure. And I think you touched on it before. Um, it's in our DNA. Like mm. sitting in the bush and listening and deep listening can never be lost. No one can take that away from you. Mm. And that's where our spiritual connection kicks in because that's what it was for us. It was sitting and being and smelling and touching and tasting and learning from the elders, even though we haven't practiced that. You know, common sense can like go, well, what do you do in the bush? You just sit and you listen. Mm. And I think that's some of the teachings we have to get back or we've got to reteach ourselves to get back. So that's why it's really important to do or to learn what I do is getting people reconnected back to the bush or back mm. to country. And I find that when I'm working with a lot of non-Aboriginal people, it's really hard for them to do. Mm. They just don't know how to sit <laughs> and listen. Um, and you'll see them reaching for their phones, but we, take, we deliberately take them out where they don't have phone access, mm. <laughs> so they can't look at their phone. Got Telstra. <laughs> and because they're not like us, where, mm. you know, they're, they're disconnected to seeing what that tree means or what that bird means that just flew past. Mm. You know, listening to the calls as mm. well, so you understand which bird it was. Mm. That's really hard for them to do, mm. but it's probably because they haven't learnt it. So that's mm. what the purpose of me taking people out on country mm. is to actually just sit and listen because, you know, the land is the storyteller and Noel shares that story all the time. Um, mm. And I think we have to keep spreading that message. Even if it's a piece of 
you know, a couple of trees, a couple of plants in your backyard. You don't have to get to a national park or mm. anywhere. As long as you find a space that you can do that mm. um, and focus on your breathing, slow your breathing down, calm your breathing down, because, you know, this land is pretty much spiritually alive still, mm. that the spirits will give you the messages when you're ready as well. Mm. I think one of the things that people forget is that each and every one of us has a spirit. Mm. And when you start to tap into that spirit, and that spiritual connection, things come to you. Um, and, you know, it might be a bit frightening at first because I've had people go, oh, I just, you know, was on the Swan River and a dolphin came past and, mm. you know, kind of winked at me. Yeah, like, yeah. never had that before. But, you know, if you start looking into that, maybe that dolphin's your totem. Mm. Maybe there's something happening, you know, like mm. it's a really good omen. So you think about those things. Mm. You think about what those animals are doing or what those plants are doing. You might sit in a bush where you can smell something really strong. Mm. Um, and time to time, I smell the baronia, which is actually one of the plants from down south. And every time I smell that at a certain time, because mm. my nan used to wear baronia perfume. Mm. So every time I smell that, I go, wow, she's around to visit me. Mm. So, you know, it'll be just out of the blue mm. and it might be where I'm a bit stressed and then I'm like reaching out and going, you know, give me some direction and then I'll mm. smell that and I'll smile because I'm reminded of what my grandmother, you know, when she was around and what mm. she taught and things like that. So mm. um, that's really special. So if you think about things like that mm. and getting to know what totems are and how they work and how they want you to, you know, direct you in your life to mm. what your life's path, path is. So. Mm. so what is a totem? What is a totem? Mm. So I, this is the best way that I can actually tell you what a totem is. So everyone has a birth sign or, or a star sign, mm. right? So it's like that. So you've got, you know, Sagittarius. Oh, it's half man, half horse. You kind of know the characteristics of what a half man, half horse is. And you think about it and you're like, oh, yeah, well, I've got that in my life. Or mm. So you think about that and you might have an animal. It might be a turtle or a frog mm. or a bird. And so you get to know and understand what... It is about that bird. You find out where it lives. Mm. You find out what it eats. You find out when it has eggs, you know, or has its babies. Mm. So you start to fine tune yourself into that animal. And that animal might come to you at a certain time that you may have something happening in your life mm. or it might tell you if something bad's going to happen or something good's going to happen. So, again, I can't tell you what those messages are, but mm. that's where you need to tune in to find out what the mm. animal is doing. Well. I could give an example for me of when yeah. that happened. So recently, I've been coming here to this area of bush, um, yeah, probably for the last few months, almost every day. And some, so something that used to happen to me when I would come here is I would just get absolutely eaten alive by ants. Right. And, you know, just every time They're I They're not here come, today. Nah, we're friends now. It's okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd just get bitten all over my arms, my legs, and my... Um, on my stomach, I, I still have like some of the um, bite marks. The bite marks, yeah, oh, wow. they're, they're pretty. They were pretty intense. And you know, then it's really interesting. Just this process happened where I, down there, I have a spot called mm. Meet Ant Meander, right? Um, and I just started watching them, yeah, and learning. And you know, I realised that I'd been kind of walking over all their trails, standing on their nest, you know, all these things. That, that then, once I actually started paying attention. I started to learn about when they come out, where do they go to eat, mm. you know, this one do tree that they love going to eat from another trail that leads to one of the bins, which is a bit sad, but you know, they love it. Oh yeah. You know, and Some all food. of these little things started to happen. Then I started to kind of research them more 
um, you know, they're 30 million years old. The bull ants that are just down there, bull ant boulder. Oh, they can stay there. Spot. Yeah, they can. Don't want to get bitten by one of those. 140 million years old, those wow. ones. And, um, you know, they, they're just so beautiful to the point where I actually go up to the bull ants now and I can put my finger to them and they don't wow. bite me. Wow, oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's kind of been my, one of my journeys with an insect. And then that kind of, in that way, it kind of connects to me in terms of like old mm. knowledge and how that connects to my ancestral line of who I feel that I am. So that's kind of one. Nice, that's, that's beautiful. That's probably a good example of how I've connected to, to one through this kind of process. And I think we miss insects, you know, mm. things like butterflies and dragonflies mm. and ants binny, binny. and grasshoppers <laughs> yeah. and, you know, all of those. They're mm. all part of mm. the landscape and mm. they have a role to play as well. Mm. Like you said, you just got to research, find out where they live, find out what they do, you yeah. know, what their role is. Yeah. You know, for me, if I see ants or flying ants, it means rain's coming. Yeah. So, you know, if you, you find that out and you, <laughs> you um, study that mm. and then you can f make your way around what is happening in earth you know mm. like they don't just fly for a reason or you know there's there's something happening spiritually in the earth as well that's why they do what they got to do mm, definitely and another note on totems mm. you can have more than one mm. as well you don't have to have you know just that one specific one so through my life I've always had a few of them come at different times as well and that's what they do mm. they only really come to deliver messages or show you something or tell you something so you know I've, I've had about four or five in my life that have mm. come at certain times and I kind of read into that mm. um, on what they mean and understand what mm. they're trying to tell me as well so and it doesn't happen yeah so one of, of well I probably should tell you yeah. how I got my name Bindi Bindi Dreaming say, so um <laughs> which I really didn't know about totems myself until I started to research and, and Noel and, mm. you know, other leaders in the community started to talk about totems and what they are and what they mean. Mm. So for me, I um, had a few experiences with butterflies mm. and either coming to me or telling me things. So I guess the very first one for me was when a butterfly, I was just out on country, the happy wanderer. Um, butterfly just came kind of you know fluttering around and mm. um, if you look at butterflies they mean transformation new beginnings and things mm. like that and so I think I just landed myself this job at conservation land management so I thought wow that's my new beginnings mm. and I think that was the butterfly saying so I mm. kind of had a bit of an experience from then and then ever since then because I tuned into what that butterfly meant I kept getting these butterfly experiences over throughout my life. Mm. So another one was when I went to my father's country after I just found out where he was and who he is. Mm. So I just turned 24, 25 and I started to soul seek because I, I felt a bit light on one side. So I needed to find the other side to make me mm. complete. And then I found out about my father and his family. So mm. I'd grown up knowing all my mum's and my grandmother's side mm. but not my father's side so mm. yeah. I it actually was a conference that Noel all sent us to mm. and it was uh, about sustainability caring for country so wow it was great because it was great timing just near my father's country so mm. I went over a couple of days beforehand and I went into one of the national parks in his mm. country mm. and one of the things I did is the ritual of throwing the sand in the water and mm. saying hello 
So I did that. And just as I threw that sand in the water, I just kind of stood like that because it's about, you know, the ancestors knowing that you're there and, and smelling your scent. Mm. And my boss behind me goes, stop. And it was, you know, because we're the only ones in this national park. <laughs> and she's, stop. <laughs> so it frightened the bejeebies out of me. Yeah, wow. And the national park we were in, when you first go through, the signs are, be careful of taipans, rah, 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 rah. So this is October. It's hot. I'm near the water. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die today because I'm going to get bitten by a taipan. So I'm like, where is it? And she's like, it's on your back. Don't move. And oh I'm like, God. a snake on my back. Because I'm thinking, this taipan. Or it's behind me and it's going to yeah, bite yeah. me. She goes, it's on your back. Just stay. Oh. What had happened was, mm. just as I released that sand into that water and said, Kaya, Kaya mm. means hello. I'm saying hello to the spirits. A blue Ulysses butterfly landed on my shoulder oh. at the time that I did that. So for me, that was a confirmation that that butterfly was telling me I did the right process and I did the right ritual and probably mm. welcome home mm. because I hadn't ever done anything like that. So, wow. you know, these are the, the experiences that you can have when you kind of figure out mm. the totemic system and how it works and what it wants you to know. So yeah. that was kind of another confirmation. And I actually made up Bindi Bindi Dreaming before anyway because of mm. that first experience and finding out the name for the butterfly and it has many other names. Yeah. But I think Bindi Bindi is the one that I um, seeked some guidance in mm. um, creating my business. So, yeah, you know, wow. it's got a bit of a ring to it and yeah. it's got a butterfly symbol. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And that, oh my God, that was... So it's amazing, I know, it was amazing <laughs> just to know that a blue <laughs> or a Ulysses butterfly, if you mm. get a chance to Google it, it's the black and blue one mm. and it's just gorgeous. So, mm. you know, butterflies don't tend to land on you too much because mm. they taste with their feet and, you know, clinging to your clothing and stuff, it's not honey or nectar. So <laughs> it was, I was very lucky enough that it stays, <laughs> stayed on yeah. my shoulder for that long. So and I think that kind of brings up the importance of story and how just how our brains are kind of wired to live in these worlds of storylines. And something, a book that I've been reading is called Memory Craft by Lynn Kelly. And um, Noel actually um, mentioned that if I'd like to learn a bit more about um, song lines and things like Beautiful. that, to read that book. So I started awesome. reading it and um, kind of started developing my own song lines around this area, actually. Oh, excellent. to remember all the plants and the animals and to start kind of using those processes. And it's absolutely incredible how well it works because I know that my brain is made to work in stories. And so the, the thing that you use is called a memory palace. That's kind of like the English word that, that's used to describe it. Um, and something that I realized is that before kind of learning this and understanding this, how the memory or our minds or the stories that we tell ourselves or the reason that people may not be able to sit and listen and connect when they come into the bush is because we're living in these memory prisons rather than memory palaces yeah. where people, it's almost just like a small box that people are living in, in their own mind. Yeah. That's, you know, you're sitting you're sitting on this bench over here and all but of this stuff But you'll be thinking right about something else be, instead of what's exactly. around in your, yep. And that, and that yep. place is the prison yeah. in your mind. Whereas when you develop a memory palace or a songline or these narratives and stories 
that you can tell about every plant, animal, you know, mm. insect. Every single place you walk, a story jumps out at you. There is no prison That's right. because you're free. And whoever you're with, you automatically start talking about that. Hey, exactly. I just saw the bowger. Did you know? Yeah. You know, and that's where the stories and the pictures are. Mm. And I think one of the, the things that's been really bad from the Western perspective is that it's robotic. This is mm. your values and your beliefs, and this is what you're going to do from now on. So I think a lot of us are actually breaking out of that and going, no, that's not the way to how we want to be amongst you know, this planet or this earth or in our lives. Mm. So I think people are starting to, you know, that, that box is starting to open and crack mm. and people are going, oh, I need to create a little trail that way and a trail that way. Mm. Um, you know, because a lot of people are asleep. They're still stuck in that robotic, get up nine to five, got to do my mm. job, then I've got to get home, then I've got to clean, then I've got to cook. Yep. You know, somewhere in there, you have to do some connection to yourself. Yep and what your role is. Mm. Even though that is a job, you have to do it. Mm. But somewhere you have to have an escape where you need to breathe and mm. just go and sit and think and then go, hang on, you know, mm. what is it that I want to bring to my family besides mm. just doing a nine to five job, mm. so. So a little question on that is when you go out um, on country yep. or go to sit in the bush to get that break and to, to reconnect to yourself and everything around you, Yep. what are some of like the first things that you will do when you you know, you go into a certain area of the bush or, you know, what's something that you do to connect? So before I get into the bush, there's always a ritual that I perform. Mm. So if there's a waterway, it's certainly going down to the waterway, picking up the sand and saying hello to the spirits that are there. I do this each and every time. Mm. When I run workshops, I do it for my clients as well. And yeah. I think after I do that, you can see the persona of people changing, mm. like just this relief of, wow, I've never done that before, but it felt so good. Mm. And I actually feel like I've just had a weight lifted off my shoulders. Mm. So, you know, people are waiting to do that as well. So mm. I'll say hello, I'll wait just for a couple of seconds, maybe wait for a gentle breeze or, you know, the, the trees might shake or something like that, which means that I get to go forward because the ancestors are happy and you know, they've graded me in there. So, mm. and then, you know, if we're, if there's no waterway, I will still do it before we get on the trail or on the bushland. We yep. might just close our eyes and just have a little bit of a minute's silence just to remember the old people, but also to start to get your ears and your eyes and your mind clear. So then you can start hearing the bush for yourself. Mm. You know, I can't force you to do that. You've got to do that yourself, but it's us giving you the tools mm. of how to do that. So, you know, it's about, you know, whatever you're thinking about for dinner, don't. <laughs> like, be in the space here with me now in these mm. two hours. Unless it's like a going <laughs> Unless past. it's chicken or something. I'm going to come home later. <laughs> but that's the worst thing is people mm. come, then they go, oh my God, I've got to, you know, the slow cooker's on, I've got to get home for it. Mm. Why did you come on the walk if you're not going to chill out and just be with me but worry yeah. about your chicken and your slow cooker so I see this time and time again and I yeah. just go like it's all about yourself and what you have to do in your life mm. if that's what you got to do stay home mm. <laughs> don't worry about the food so sometimes that's a little bit distracting mm. and I kind of set the rules when I do take my guided to people out on tour I'll say mm. you know be with me in the space we're going to practice some rituals. Mm. You've got to learn some stuff, ask questions, yep. take on board what I'm saying. Mm. And so we'll go off maybe for an hour or something, point plants, medicines. We'll 
chew on some stuff. Mm. Um, you know, because that's obviously a, a knowledge that people are thirsting for. They want to mm. connect to what's under their noses as well mm. because some of them want to go home and cook with stuff or yeah. how do I grow that so it's next to me? It's a native plant. Mm. So, you know, I find that a lot of people are starting to come on board, starting mm. to come on the journey. I mean, you've seen it for ourselves, you know, mm. those workshops that I run, so they're fully booked yeah. and just people, you can see them just, mm. you know, just watching and, and listening. And, and that's what I yeah. like is really, truly genuine people that want to come and actually, you know, mm. walk with us yeah. and get to know who we are and, and get to know this country. And, yeah. you know, the more we have against us, we're never going to move forward. So it's about how do we bring people on the journey so we can walk together. Yeah. Probably a good catchphrase because reconciliation's coming up soon is how do we walk together mm. and the theme this year is in this together yeah. so you know we've got to keep spreading that that word and getting people on board so mm. that's pretty much what I do and if I have a little bit of a space like this with a bench I'll just sit mm. and listen sometimes I'll look around so I can see what the birds are doing see what the plants are doing what the trees are doing or else I'll just close my eyes and just sit and be as well and just breathe focus on my breathing so mm. um and I find that the bush gets louder because it's starting to talk to you and speak to you and you can hear mm. the rustle of things yeah. so quietly moving through and you're like wow I would not have done that if mm. you know I wouldn't have heard that if I was thinking mm. about stuff so you know the, mm. the bush speaks to you it's it's here to mm. do that so you just have to be still and you have to be ready for it as yeah. well. Don't force it either. A lot yeah. of people go, I did what you told me to do, but nothing <laughs> happened. Yeah. And I go, well, that's because you probably still haven't tuned right out. You mm. know, I keep saying to people, what are you thinking about? <laughs> yeah, you know, what are you thinking about? Don't think. Yeah. Just let the bush t speak to you. Yeah. You so know. that's my time. That's when I reconnect. And, mm. you know, it's it's a refresher for me too. Like I get a bit stressed because of the jobs that we do. And, yeah. you know, this is my refresh is coming back to the bush and actually reconnecting back so then I can do the whole same thing again the next day. So, mm. um, you know, with the business it is, you know, two or three times a week we're taking people out on country. It's mm. amazing. There's so much demand. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so important also to acknowledge not just the knowledge that is held by the elders that are passing, passing that down to, to certain people that are trusted and that are ready to listen and walk together in that sense, um, but also this concept of connecting and healing us as a people, like all together. Yep. That concept in itself is such a valuable story and it's it's a story for everyone. For sure. And it's a story that includes everyone. It's a story that heals everyone. You know, it's a story that heals not just everyone, but this planet as well. And, you know, that is something that people can feel. Yeah. When, when, when they just come on their own to maybe out in the bush or something, but also when they come to, a, you know, a workshop or go out on country, that's the feeling that people have. That's the feeling that I've had time and time and time and time again yeah and that's why i continuously go out yeah. and a lot of people are looking and thinking about what the expectations are and taking people out on country or what they're going to learn mm. and i always just say to people like don't expect anything yeah just expect the unexpected yeah. like this is the space <laughs> we're not structured mm. we have to be because we're time constraint mm. and and you know we have to do the tour or whatever in yeah. that time but you know, I think people just don't know how to walk. 
mm. and be free in the bush. It's, oh, we've got to walk really fast mm. because we've got to be back in two hours. Mm. Like, I had a group that came out with me one time and she had her little walking, um, oh, what are they poles. called? Yeah, the walking poles yeah. and a backpack. She yeah. thought we were hardcore walking and mm. I just kind of looked at her and went, what kind of walk did you think we were doing? Because <laughs> um, she was fully kitted out in her yeah. active wear stuff. <laughs> and go. I'm here in jeans, my sneakers <laughs> and my, my jumper. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not dressed for that kind of walk. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, you know, people's perspective of what a walk is, mm, um, my walk is a walk and a talk and mm. sharing and being calm and being patient and sharing that. Mm. So we did that. And then she actually was still very fidgety and mm. impatient. If mm. people are asking you to come out on country, just be with us. Don't yeah. worry about trying to think. And even mm. before I start it, people are asking me and I'm like, oh, slow down. <laughs> yeah. wait, wait till I do an introduction and tell yeah. you what we're doing. So it's people like, are already hitting you up when you get out of the car. <laughs> it's like you know? those three things that um, <laughs> Pop Noel says, that people are um, inquisitive, emotional and impatient. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so true. I see it all the time, Zal. Yeah. And that's almost, I mean, that's human nature. Hey, yeah. and I threw those things out the window yeah. <laughs> once I started to learn about the creation story yeah. and exactly. and slowing down and mm. um, just being. It's, that's ju the it's teaching. just being. That is yep. the teaching that the bush offers. And it, that even just reminded me as well that sometimes we need guidance, but other times we are our guidance. Yes. Like each person individually knows what they need. And that lady that you were speaking about, it almost just reminded me that every single person is on that like that different path yeah and if she needed to walk fast and and do that then it's like it's that thing that spark inside that's saying i need to do this i need yeah. to do this and often in this society like we have that spark but we don't follow it mm. we don't do what we know we need to do mm. and then we feel guilty about it because we're somewhere blah 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 this that all all of that stuff that goes on in our mind yeah and and that is the value of coming out to the bush on your own yes that it's like some days you walk fast, some days you walk <laughs> slow, some days you'll, you'll get to the, like, to the um, red dirt and then you'll just turn back and go back home and say, nah, not today. Yeah. It's not the right day, not the right time. Something's saying, don't go in here. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> other days there'll be, for me, you know, the ants, other days there'll be a dragonfly, other days there'll yeah. be a white-tailed black cockatoo, you know, the certain things will speak at different times. That's right. And See, and that's it's, it. That's the story. Signs. It comes and plays at different chapters mm. and, and times of your life. It's not yeah. going to be direct once you sit in the bush. It's going to happen. <laughs> sometimes it does yeah. because that's, it might be your time yeah. and the animals and the spirits know mm. that. But sometimes you might have to do it for a few months before mm. something happens. So I've had mm. people come on my workshops and then, you know, two months later, nothing's happened still. Mm. Um, and I just keep saying, just let it be, let mm. it be, just... You know, it'll happen when it's meant to happen. Yeah. Maybe nothing needs to go wrong in your life. Well, you know what? So don't try and force it. So yeah, I was, I was just allow say, yeah. it to come. Often those signs. You know, there's other can... things that are operating beyond mm. us. We just have to be here in the space in the now. Yeah. Well, you know, there's planetary stuff happening too yeah. all the time. Mm. Um, so, you know, you've got to look into that, you know, the moon phases and... Mm. You know, what are the seas doing and stuff? So it's yeah. all added, adds up to the bigger picture and people don't realise. They just mm. think, oh, it's, it's here. The answer's here. But mm. you just got to gotta wait. Yeah, I, I was up at sunrise this morning, which is a rarity. It was one of those things, though. It was one of those kind of signs. Often those signs can appear as something negative, 
Yeah. If you look at it that yeah. way, it's a story. Like, for example, me getting bitten all over my body by ants. Most people would then avoid ants. Whereas for me, it was, how do I learn ants? Mm. How do I understand them? Awesome. How do I get closer to them? And it was kind of the same thing with this morning, you know, like I don't get up at sunrise. Mm. But today I was like, do you know what? Today I think I need to. And I walked up to, to a rock up there and I looked up and I did see the moon and it was beautiful. Oh, wow. And then, and I saw two bright stars, but they weren't stars. It was Jupiter and Saturn, um, just close together. Wow. And I just kind of looked at them and as I was walking down from the rock, this parrot just went straight past me. And then I turned around and went a different way and I found some trees that I hadn't found before as well. And you know, there's just this mm. like, when the perception is changed from, oh, this is bad, this is good, this is this, this is that. And you just listen to what, yep. one, your body, two, the world, the universe, the spirit is yep. telling you. Yeah. Things just happen that need to happen. Um, so another little question that I have for you is more around like the cooking, the food, did you want to share a little bit about what you do in terms of like food and how you got into like the <clears throat> food? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's been quite a long journey for me to get in that space because I guess I had to learn what was in my backyard first. Um, <laughs> so as part of my work back in conservation and land management days, it was learning about these plants, the medicines, the waterways, yeah. the trees, the area that you live in, um, which kind of went into the medicinal stuff and the healing stuff and the tools and the artifacts and, you know, what you can get out of the bush. And so while, we were, while I was doing that, there was a bit of a demand for people after hours wanting to know a little bit more. Mm. So I thought, oh, how do I get myself into that space? So Noel encouraged us to start businesses mm. so we could take that work on the weekends but do it for ourselves because yeah. he saw that we did have the passion to do that and continue to do it and mm. we didn't have enough work time so even though the work stuff was schools some community groups we were actually missing the local communities that were thirsting for knowledge so mm. you know Noel was doing some stuff after hours and on weekends and he said look it's too much for me mm. you guys need to come and help so mm -hmm. um, you know that stage I started up a registration for my business mm. and just kind of had it plodding along in the background. So, I mean, I had all this knowledge around all of this, but then I needed to feed people because we were going out for two or three hours. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that means I've got to take an urn, I've got to take some food, <laughs> crackers, we've got to have a break, I can't yeah. talk for three hours. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I started to learn about the herbs and spices. Mark Olive, the, the chef, was already out there doing some stuff as well as some other Aboriginal community members. But I came across Dale Tilbrook, mm, who yeah. runs Marlin Up out at the Swan Valley. And so, you know, Dale, we were visiting Dale actually on the way out to Wollonga, and yep. she had a little shop storefront at the time. Mm. And she was starting to delve with a lot of those herbs and spices and putting them in soaps yep. and baking stuff. And, you know, so we were learning a little bit by just going out to her and I was buying produce off her and then going home and make some yummy stuff. So. That's kind of how it started. I blame Dale, but thank you, Dale, because if it hadn't been for me being exposed to that, I may never have got into that space. But, I mean, it's something that is, you know, um, 
is just blown out like lots of people want to know so you know I was baking I was taking people out on country and then because mm. of the two two or three hours was spanning to a day venture so some of the corporates wanted to come out and have food so we were going to national parks where we were barbecuing getting to learn these herbs and spices and mm. adding them to the food so that's kind of where my pa- my passion for learning about the bush has always been there but now it's you know the direction's changed and I'm kind of getting pushed and prodded into the, the space around learning the herbs and spices and I love mm. it because like again it's not just using them it's actually what they do for your body mm. and do to your health and well-being and did for our people and still continue to do for our people mm. and that's why I help promote them because I think we're in the space that you know, we can bring the bush to us now mm. and still have a healthy life by eating bush tomato, mm. kakadu plum, mm. kwandong, lemon myrtle. Mm. You know, these are just some of them. There's a whole range now. Mm. Um, and I think I started off with about, I don't know, four or five herbs and spices. So lemon myrtle, bush tomato, the pepperberry and the wattle seed, I think, were, were uh, and the kwandong. Of course, mm. the kwandong is like a natural knowing thing anyway because everyone cooks kwandong jam and, yeah. you know, damper and stuff like that. Um, so it's just beca- kind of become a bit of a passion and, mm. you know, I've done my research around it. I've worked with some really, like I've worked with Mark Olive and, mm. um, you know, seen what he does and how he does things and kind of just tweaked, tweaked it to make my own. So mm. now I'm doing cooking sessions we do cooking sessions with young Aboriginal kids. So again, getting them to learn about what those herbs and spices mean. Mm. So getting them to actually eat different as well, because, mm. you know, when you're a young kid, you want to eat burgerings and twisties and all sorts of <laughs> stuff. But, you know, making a nice little dip yeah. that you can put some of these herbs and spices in. Mm. And I tell you what, after they learn that and taste it, they are just amazed mm. by the flavours. And they're just going, we made that. And I go, yes, we made that because it was using this and this and this. Um, mm. You know, we do kangaroo burgers, so we're bringing back kangaroo for the kids and they love mm. it. Some of them go, oh, well, I wouldn't eat that, you know, even though, even though it's our mob. Yeah. And I'm like, didn't your aunties and uncles go out shooting and stuff? And they're like, yeah, but I didn't eat it. <laughs> so because kangaroo can be quite tricky. It's very yeah. strong flavoured meat. Yep. But that's why we cook because we go, hey, how about we use these, put it in the kangaroo meat then we just eat it. Mm. And, you know, it's good for our health and well-being because mm. um, kangaroo doesn't have a lot of fat. Mm. So I guess that's kind of how I got into the space. And then I use a lot of oils and things that are related to the bush in my women's workshops. So we we work with Yorgum, uh, who, who is an Aboriginal organisation that does health and well-being. Mm. And once a year, I probably go out when they have their camps for the old people. So yeah. They do like stolen generation camps and mm-hmm. so they go back and they, um, you know, talk about it and offload and, you know, mm-hmm. try and um, de-stress a lot of the elders. And one yeah. of my roles is, is I get to pamper them. Wow. And I what get to role. pamper them <laughs> with, um, you know, oils that are mm-hmm. in the bush. I get to, we have a little smoking bucket. Mm-hmm. You know, just bringing back those old techniques. And mm-hmm. again, it's, it's a shame that some of our oldies have been taken away from this knowledge as well. Mm-hmm. I think the last one we did, so I shared a little bit about the herbs and spices and we did some cooking and we did wattle seed pancakes. Something simple like that with the old people was just amazing. It just, they got in the kitchen, they were throwing flour at each other. It was just gorgeous. It was like I'd taken them back to their youth and they just went, wow, we're going to cook these for the grannies when we get home. And I said, yes, that's what you're meant to do. So I gave them all a little wattle seed packet so they could take it home. So that, you know, that enlightens me when elders look at me and go, wow, 
how do you know all that knowledge? And then mm. they're asking me, how do I, how do you know that girl? What, what does it look like? I've never mm. seen a waddle. Mm. Um, and so that's part of their healing as well, is they've mm. been disconnected from a lot of this cultural information. And mm. again, they've been taught the Western way and never to pick up the cultural stuff. So, mm. you know, now we're going full circle where, you know, there's a real thirst in our community that mm. people want to know. So even the oldies. So I don't, there's no group that I won't do. You you start opening up the floodgates and and more knowledge that you share. It's amazing how people are really, truly interested. So it's amazing. I love it. I love what I do. You know, you're always searching for a passion or something in your life. And I think this just fell in my lap, really. Um, And I guess I was just destined to do what I'm doing. So I'm I'm never going to stop. It's going to keep going. Mm. Um, and it's going to be me reteaching everyone to keep going. So I've got to make my little bindi bindi troopers out there, you know, <laughs> so they can still continue to share the culture. So yeah. that's that's what I feel my role is and my purpose in life is. Yeah. Is I've been taught this beautiful stuff. I need to share it so then I can take a step back and enjoy yeah. what's going on in the background as well. So mm. yeah. So you know we've got a cooking with bindi bindi Facebook page. And that's where I do a lot of my cooking and stuff as well. So you'll get to learn what the herbs and spices are. You'll get to know where to buy them, how to use them. Um, and that's my sway. Like, that's how I'm cooking. You don't have to follow. You do whatever you do in the kitchen. Um, but it is another educational thing that people can go online, tune in and learn how to work with herbs and spices. Mm. And I'm only one person. There's so many Aboriginal people in the space that are selling products and you know, putting up little recipes and stuff on how they use it as well, so. That's awesome. And something that um, kind of connects for me about is, you know, like coming into the bush has taught me also that, you know, when you don't understand something, you might kind of just walk past it and for one, just not even see it. Um, Like a lot of plants, you know, that maybe you don't know the name of, you just walk straight past and then 10 years later you go, oh my God, I've been walking past this plant for 10 years, (laughs) you know, and. And it kind of taught me this kind of process. Then I relearned that through, you know, your workshops. I relearned that through going on country with Pop Nong and just in my own culture. And to come to, you know, come to some of the workshops, that process is actually a really beautiful way of learning. Yeah. Because, you know, there's there's less disrespect that happens. Yeah. There's more of a of a true kind of connection. One between people and two between like sustainability of plants, yeah. you know, the plants themselves, the spices and connecting to things. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you don't need to take anything, but you can receive it. Exactly. And that's why my workshops, we teach around what is your role and responsibility. So you've gained all this knowledge mm. and these tools and this information. How do you then take it and package it and use it in your own life or your kid's life? Because we've got to leave a legacy for those younger generation. We've got to keep this bushland. So how do we then retrain a lot of those kids to, you know, understand caring for country and understanding totems and understanding what to take or not to take. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that I do and why we've got lots of herbs and spices accessible is because we don't want you to take from bush. Mm. Um, You know, my teachings are to show you but you don't go back there and take Mm. because when you're taking, you're not replacing. Mm. That's the other thing a lot of people haven't been taught. So Mm. I get a lot of chefs and a lot of cooks coming, hey, we want to learn about, you know, can you take us out and show us where to get produce? Mm. But I say no because Mm. I can share with you the information around it, but I don't want you taking. Mm. We're actually in a really good 
place here in the West Australia. We've got lots of bush foods and bush tucker and, and animals and, mm. you know, all sorts of stuff. But we don't want to keep taking mm. irresponsibly. We want to, you know, if there's, it's in our backyards or if it's along our windowsill, you know, mm. you've got the herbs and stuff there because mm. then you can re yeah, you're plant not them again. Let them run out if that's they're right, in the and that's what's happening is the chefs are finding out, mm. and the cooks and taking, and mm. you'll come across, you know, a path, and just the whole ledge of samphire is gone yeah. because they know where to find it, but they're not putting back, yeah. you know. Um, and I think a lot of things too that I've noticed with chefs and cooks is they never acknowledge where they got the knowledge mm. from. They kind of go, "Well, this is my fancy schmancy dish. Mm. This is the sea parsley or the sea asparagus," <laughs> but. Oh, I didn't get the knowledge from anywhere. It's mine. Mm. Um, and I think that's really shocking. Mm. And I think they should acknowledge where, our, you know, where the knowledge has come from because they obviously mm. haven't learnt it, mm. you know. Um, and so just mm. giving back and acknowledging because I mm. think that's what we're seeing is people take, 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 yeah. but not recognising, you know, that we are the custodians. We yeah. have, That's our knowledge. Yeah. Um, and we should be recognised for it. Mm. Like, we don't mind you coming and learning, yeah. but then always just quote us and go, hey, I learned yeah. it from. Yeah. And I never see that in any bodies, you know, if they're filming or um, mm. if they've been out on country. There's a few chefs that do. I'm mm. not, not going to say there's not everybody's like that. Yeah. Um, but just the ones that are in the space that are there yeah. to wow their clients because they've picked bush tucker from the, the waterways, mm. you know. It's so, kind of like a university when people reference people. You know, that's, that's right. like the standard. It's to yep. acknowledge every single thing that you've ever learnt and yep. you will ever say. Has You've learnt that from someone. Yeah. So you can't, you know, if you're in first year, second year, third year, you can't just go around saying whatever you want. Mm. You need to acknowledge where you got, where you've received that knowledge. That's right. Until then you're making new knowledge and you've built that respect and that space where you are in the space where you can do that. Yeah. And it's, you know, to me, it's that same thing. Yep. And it's about remembering that story. That's right. Where did you learn that? Who yep. did you learn that from? Because that as well is another connection. It's another, like, it's not just an acknowledgement, but it connects to all the other knowledge. It's a way of remembering everything. We would do it with anybody so, else. So what's the difference, you know? Yeah. Like, we need to start thinking and paying respect and homage for the knowledge that we are giving. So, yeah, you know, like you said, uni students are referencing and stuff. Um, mm. You know, how about giving that credit back to us as well? Because yeah. we get a lot of uni students and TAFE students coming on and learning mm. and we don't see the fruits of that mm. if they're writing a paper or anything. And I think mm. we should be acknowledged or written into that as an acknowledgement. Yeah. So, yeah, not yeah. like it's their new information and, oh, this is mm. what I found. Yeah. No, you came out on a tour, you yeah. learned. <laughs> How about paying homage to say, mm. hey, went out on a bendy bendy tour? Mm. You know, this is where the knowledge has come from. And I think that's why, you know, those the certain books and things are really, really helpful. Like yeah. Vivian Hansen's book. Yes. Um, you know, it's so helpful. I've seen that reference so many places. Excellent. People actually, you know, acknowledge It's a hot, hot buy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's definitely. a great book. Um, it's like that, a Bible in my bag. Yeah. And it's kind of like, <laughs> The way that Western culture understands is to reference through books and names and titles. Yeah. And it's like um, Auntie Vivian Hansen has been able to create something that then allows people to do it in the way that they know. Yep. And then slowly come around and learn, oh, there's this other way as well to do it. Yep. You know? And it's kind of similar. And see, so that's the legacy. Yeah. She's yep. put that knowledge into that book so mm. people can 
be safe yep. if they're foraging or looking or they want to learn about mm. the bushland. So, you know, it's it's the first people's knowledge. It's yep. Annie Viv's knowledge yes. um, that's gone into that book. So, mm. um, you know, it can never be questioned. That's her knowledge and that's what she's written and that's what she's giving you. So. Yep. Maybe the, the last question that I have yes. is what do we need to do to heal country, to care for country yep. ongoing? Well, one of the first things I always say to people, if you're not in our space, you don't know. So the best way to find out how to get that knowledge is actually to go out with Aboriginal people. If there's an opportunity that someone's hosting a walk or a talk or a workshop, that's your first point of contact or your first point of call. Um, we are always advertising on the Bindi Bindi Facebook page, Bindi Bindi Dreaming Facebook page. When we have upcoming tours and workshops, I also help spread word of other Aboriginal people that are in the space. So there's Go Cultural, there's Noongar Tours that are run in Kings Park, mm. Indigenous Tours WA, Urban Indigenous. Like there's so many of us um, popping up, which is amazing because it's all of us adding those different um, you know, levels of learning of what you want to want to learn. So, mm. some of them are, like do art workshops, so you can learn art. Then, you know, I might do the women's workshop or a cooking workshop. Mm. Someone's doing a spear and boomerang and a tool workshop. So, mm. the more that you can get out there and learn from each of us, the better your understanding is going to be, and then you'll figure out or you'll source what your role and responsibility is. Mm. So, once you get that, then you know, the rest of it will come so easy for you, but you just need to spend time with people and the best place is to be out on country and just to learn that, to sit and be, even if it's going to be the first time you ever do that, it might be the hardest thing that you're going to do in your life, mm. but it gets easier after that. I mean, I was, you know, 24, 25 when I first came across Noel and his teachings and, you know, th at that age, you're running around with your friends and <laughs> nightclubbing and all sorts of stuff. So, um, you know, the more I got out on country, the less of the other stuff was valuable in my life. I didn't need it. I didn't need to drink. I didn't need mm. to run around with my friends. Mm. Um, and that's where the thirsting came from. And then I was just guided to do what I needed to do. So, mm. you know, over time throughout your life, you'll figure out which path you go. It's always not going to be a straight path. There's going to be a couple of curves couple of humps to get over there's going to be people not happy with you what you say people are going to correct you for your language they're going to say you stole stuff from them <laughs> like these are the things that you'll endure in your life too and I'm sure people have um, and since running my business that's what I have but I guess mm. you, again you reflect back to what your role and your responsibility is and mm. go well if it's not making me sick or making me angry then I know I'm on the right path so I know that I'm doing the best that I can with the knowledge that I have. I too am learning lots of stuff because over time, there's bits and pieces that people find out new knowledge around our culture. Because remember, it's been hidden for a long time. So there might not have been a word for that plant back in 10 years we've been searching for it. Boom, someone finds an old documentary that's hidden in their grandmother's pantry hey, she's just written some stuff down. Here's the Noongar name for it. So, you know, that the new ways are coming through with the younger generation I'm seeing as well. So new words, people say Borada, people say Borada One, mm. you know, like they're both not wrong. It's the old school Borada and the Borada One is 
hey, see you later. So, you know, we're just tweaking the language and, and adding the bits on. Um, but it's, it's all not wrong. You know, we're all in this together and it's all going to be, you know, it's, all, it's a new way forward for everybody. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for chatting. I think that was a really beautiful way to end. Um, yeah, definitely I see a new, kind of a new path coming out, a new way of being, a new way of living for many, many people. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for talking to me. And there's kind of a, an old saying, oh, there's a saying that one of the old, one of the guys came up with, um, old ways, new ways. Mm. So it's bringing back all of that knowledge, but a new way forward. So, you know, we've got to start to bring that knowledge back to the younger people because they're the ones that are going to be leading the way. So it's very critical and very crucial for us to do that. So as, as Aboriginal people ourselves is handing that knowledge. And it's, we're not, you know, there's no one we don't not teach. You know, we have so many inquiries from different cultures, different people, and I teach anyone and everyone. If they're really interested in what I'm doing, come along. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Zal. This has been beautiful sitting amongst these trees. Thanks. And um, thank you. It's okay. No worries. Beautiful. <laughs>